This is We Hold These Treasures, and I'm your host, Elizabeth Tomlin. It's back to school season for many of us, and for some moms, our children are beginning to leave the nest and move into their adult lives. My second child is going to college this fall, joining my first child who's becoming a senior in college, and I'm finding myself feeling tremendous happiness at her accomplishments and also what I'm coining mom grief. I'm grieving losing some of the hands-on parenting that I've been practicing with her for so long. So in today's episode of We Hold These Treasures, I invited Danielle Bean, host of the Girlfriends podcast and author of the book, Giving Thanks and Letting Go, to talk about this transition in life when a child leaves the nest. In this episode, I mentioned a homily from St. Augustine about hope and our hearts. Pope Benedict XVI quotes heavily from this homily in his encyclical Spe Salvi, or Saved in Hope. And in this encyclical, St. Augustine describes the relationship between prayer and hope. Benedict quotes from it. And Benedict defines prayer as a person's exercise of desire for God and that goodness that God wants to give us. He wrote that people are created to be filled by God, but our hearts are too small for the greatness to which they are destined sometimes, and we must be stretched. So quoting Augustine, the quote from Augustine is, suppose that God wishes to fill you with honey, a symbol of God's tenderness and goodness, but you are full of vinegar. Where will you put the honey? End quote. Benedict writes that this vessel that is our hearts must first be enlarged and then cleansed, free from the vinegar and its taste. And this requires hard work and can be painful, but in this way alone do we become suited for that which we are destined by God. So this image, this image of heart and vinegar and growth is what I think of in the transition of a child leaving the nest, that we have to let go of vinegar, sadness, anxiety, and instinct to control. And when we do, God is able to fill our hearts with love for our children in a different way, with gratitude for the gifts that we had in raising them and the capacity to parent them differently. Now, the feelings we feel are valid, but the process is essential. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Danielle Bean. Hello and welcome to We Hold These Treasures, a podcast of the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA. I'm Elizabeth Tomlin, the author of the book Joyful Momentum, Growing and Sustaining Vibrant Women's Groups. And today on the podcast, I'm sharing a conversation with Danielle Bean about her work and her book, Giving Thanks and Letting Go. Now, you may know Danielle from Girlfriends and lots of other Catholic media outlets, but Danielle is a wife and a mother of eight. She is the creator and host of The Gist, a weekly Catholic women's television talk show on Catholic TV. She's also the host of Girlfriends, the podcast, and creator of the Girlfriends Community, a supportive and encouraging online community for Catholic women from all walks of life. Danielle is the author of 10 books, including You Are Enough and Giving Thanks and Letting Go. Her most recent book, Whisper, Finding God in Every Day, in the Everyday is an intimate and down-to-earth read that encourages us to slow down and experience the little whispers that God that are present in everyday moments. Danielle has a special heart for Catholic families, and she encourages moms and dads of all ages of life to find humor in daily challenges and the joy God intends for every one of us. It is her primary vocation to marriage and motherhood that Danielle finds the inspiration for all of her work. And she currently serves as the VP of digital content with Good Catholic, which is part of the Catholic company. So Danielle, thank you for being here today to talk about giving thanks and letting go. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me, Elizabeth. 
Yeah, I wanted to talk with you, especially this month as next Friday, I'm taking my middle child off to college mm. and I'm beginning to feel those little bits of mom grief that come in <laughs> when the things that we've worked so hard to achieve, we worked so hard to launch our children into adulthood. And then all of a sudden it's here and we're going, wait a minute, um, <laughs> wait a minute. I was just teaching someone how to ride a bike and right. you know how to make a bed and now they're off to college and I don't know what to do with this. So can you share a little about how giving thanks and letting go came, came about and what you were hoping to offer, especially moms in this book? Yeah. So it came about exactly as you described, having similar moments myself where I'm like, wait a minute, like, how did I get here? And really just kind of looking back through the years and the ways that I've shared about motherhood through the years, beginning when my kids were very small. And, you know, my very first book was My Cup of Tea, Musings from a Catholic Mom. And it was published by Pauline Books and Media. It's now out of print, except I have, I publish it myself on Amazon. So you can, you can still get a copy of that. That's kind of updated. But mm -hmm. around the time before I, you know, pitched the idea of this book to Ave Maria Press, I was like looking at that original book and it was 15 years old at the time and kind of going back and reading it and thinking, wow, like, how did I get here to this place of this bittersweet mix of joy and grief and learning to let go and yet being so grateful in the process of it all in, you know, this, this natural next stage of my motherhood and family life. And I really felt this call to share about it because I looked around and there weren't that many conversations going on about this difficult time mm -hmm. of life. And it is difficult. It's challenging. And for some people, it's a real source of grief and struggle. And I thought we need to be having more conversations about this. And I really just, you know, very selfishly, I wanted to write this book to be able to process some of it myself, like the, <laughs> the looking back and the looking forward and where are we are now and all the things we have to be grateful for, but also fully acknowledging that this is a time of life where many women find themselves in transition and wondering, what next? And the answer can be a really joyful one, but it also can be, you know, tinged with a bit of sorrow and even regret as you're looking back through the years. So I think it's really important to have honest and candid conversations about this. Yeah. You wrote that early in the book, you wrote children take our identity. I was once Danielle star student. I used to be Dan Danielle wife of Dan. I used to be Danielle hard worker, organizer, creative thinker, baker, writer, doer of all things. And then I became mama and mama was bigger, but also much smaller than anything I had ever been. Mama was an enormous thing. The sun around which my children's arms worlds evolved, but mama was also a hidden thing, a smaller thing with so little to show for those everyday efforts. And I, I think of that with the moms who are in the trenches, who feel like they'll never be rid of you know, spit up on shirts and dirty laundry <laughs> and unfolded laundry and dishes in the sink. Um, and I, I noticed in the point you, in the book you wrote that older women would stop you and say that you were, you were so lucky and you would think, you know, not true. Um, I'm exhausted. <laughs> right. <laughs> Did what, when, so when you were a mom in the trenches, what helped you in in the smallness of being Danielle mama, get get through those moments when you really thought you were never going to dig out. 
Right. I think that's such an important message, especially for more experienced moms to be sharing with younger moms who are in that mm-hmm. right now, kind of those words of encouragement. Like we see you, we we know, we right. know you're there and we know it is rough. Like you mentioned those old ladies in the grocery store and yeah, they tell me I was lucky. And they also tell me it all goes by in a minute. Like it'll, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's goes by so fast. And I was like, it, this is not going by fast. You know, I felt like you're absolutely wrong about that. This is going by terrifically slowly. And it is very difficult. My life is hard and not that I didn't love it, but at the same time, I think that women in those places need encouragement that can only come from a voice of experience, but not in a voice of experience that's dismissive of the challenge they're going through right now, right. but the voice of experience that can encourage them to know you will get through to the other side. And yeah, at that point, it's going to look like it all went by in a minute, right? But it I know it doesn't feel that way right now. And I know it is very challenging. It's very hard. So what helped me then was having... Um, having a community of friends. And I didn't need like 500 friends. I needed like two or three people that I could confide in people going through similar things. My sisters actually filled that space for me for a long while, still do in Mm -hmm. many ways. Uh, But really, you know, it was like vital, those phone calls, like calling my mom, calling my sisters, calling my good friend, you know, back when I was a mom of all these little kids, it wasn't the age of the cell phone yet. Right. So a little bit more needing to kind of step outside of myself to make those connections, whether it was arranging a play date, being the first person to say hello after mass, um, Mm -hmm. but really knowing that I needed to not be going through this by myself. Yeah. I think it's so important not to be alone. There's this, it's easy to use being busy and being tired as an excuse to be alone because we feel like Mm -hmm. maybe we can connect with our fingertips on a keyboard, but there really is no substitute for just being able to phone a mom friend and say like, I've had it. I'm going to grab coffee. I'll meet you at the playground and, right. and just take a couple minutes off, but to do it with someone who's going through it with you. And, and I completely know the feeling of having someone in a grocery store or somewhere else tell you, Oh, it goes by so fast. It, for me, <laughs> it was like fingerprints on the walls. I thought I was never mm. going to be rid of muddy fingerprints on doorknobs and light switches. And I remember complaining about it one day, And my mother-in-law was like, you know, someday you'll miss those fingerprints. I was like, not today. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'm a big fan of that that honesty, right? Where I I remember saying similar things where it's like, someday I'm going to miss this. Today is not that day. So it's okay to embrace where you are. Today is not. And I I also remember feeling at that point when my kids were, were much younger, that my brain was mush, that all of the training in college and the, you know, science I had studied and the law I had studied was just out of my ears mush because I couldn't, I couldn't even remember where my coffee cup was the third time (laughs) I had reheated it. But in truth, all the memory came back, you know, all the learning was still in Mm -hmm. my ears. Um, once, once it was time to, for my kids to go off to school and I was doing more things professionally. Right. Right. When, um, when you found yourself with your first one leaving the nest, what, how did, how did that go for you? Was it off to college? Was it off to basic training? We have so many in military families that it looks so different for everyone. So what did that look like for you? Sure. I think regardless of the reason your, your young one is leaving the nest in some capacity, like the feelings are the same, right? You're, you're, you're struggling with those same things. So with me, it wasn't with my oldest at first because she commuted to college. And so kind of had an easy transition Mm -hmm. there. We're like, okay, she's homeschooled. She's going to high school part-time. And then she was, you know, 
driving to campus and which was like a half hour from home. And we saw her every night for dinner. So that was an easy transition. But then it was with my second who was going away to school and he was um, going to St. Anselm College where my husband and I both graduated from. My dad taught there for many years, like a very familiar territory and um, only about an hour and 20 minutes from our home. So not too far, but that was tough. Oh my goodness. That was tough. Like that. I, I spent that summer grieving. Like it really was a process. And I found I really needed to give myself the space to do that. It was a really challenging time for me. And, you know, I still, still had all these little younger kids at home who still needed me in various ways. But I remember realizing that that kind of processing of the emotions of that really fully took me months, you know, and, and it was all before it actually happened, right? I was processing mm -hmm. it ahead of time, planning for it, kind of preparing myself for it and, you know, allowing myself to, to feel all of that emotion, I think was really key and really an important part of the process for me. Yeah. I think it's, it's important to feel it and to know that happiness and sadness can coexist in the same space at the right. same time. Um, it can be happy <laughs> tears and sad tears and fearful tears and thankful tears all at the same time. For your child, for your adult children leaving the nest, do you mm -hmm. think they understood that all the feelings you were feeling or even knew they were there or were they just excited to go on to the next stage and it was excitement and launch time? Yeah. I mean, they were very kind to me, but I think they didn't uh -huh. quite get it. And and then when I think back to my own college experience and leaving home for the first time, I didn't get it. I was like really kind of callous to my mom's feelings, not intentionally, not trying to be selfish mm -hmm. or rude, but that's kind of the, that's the nature of it, right? They're, they're like, our, our young people are geared to like, I need to get out. I need to be independent. I need to get out into the world, start doing my things. And so they're really not going to be kind of looking back. I mean, some of them have more of a personality. It's going to be kind of looking back and being nostalgic or sensitive in that moment. But more than likely, they're not going to spend a lot of time kind of coddling your feelings. So um, yeah, my kids were, were, were never unkind to me about it, but it wasn't like they were, you know, helping me process that very much. It was, it was tough. It was really, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing. And even, even my husband who was kind of processing it in his own way, like it couldn't fully share what my experience was of that. So it, it's a time when I think we really do need our girlfriends. It's a time when we mm -hmm. need to be, and not that everyone's going to experience it the same way, but knowing that other people are going through similar things, I think is really helpful. I, I agree. And I think it really is a time when we need our girlfriends. I had a girlfriend text me just yesterday saying she couldn't even look at the parent page of the college that her kid is going to because she'll <laughs> burst into tears. And then she was like, well, I've got to get it out of my system now so that when right. I drop him off, it's okay. But she knew that I had gone through, through launching our, we launched our first two um, during the pandemic, my friend and I. And so we were kind of right there in the same situation. And when I, when I dropped my oldest off at school, I dropped him off at school in Virginia, had to fly back to work in, in my house in Washington state. And I was on this South flight, Southwest flight. And I swear I cried the entire way across the country. Like <laughs> I was still wearing a face mask. You could have wrung it out. I was, I was a mess. And it, mm -hmm. there was a piece you wrote in giving thanks and letting go about taking your kids. And you said for a moment that night, um, I struggled with a longing for what once was with an ache for what was gone because it was gone. Something beautiful was gone and it was okay to feel that loss. 
Um, I worked hard though to replace my restless longing for what was missing with gratitude for what is now. And I think that's an important transition point to give thanks for all the gifts that we've received in our children and to give thanks for what, for the time we had raising them and then also for their futures. So can you speak Mm -hmm. a little bit about that, that gratitude piece and that surrender that happens when they leave? Right. And, and so that's why I think that, you know, the, the title really fits what I shared in that book, the giving thanks mm-hmm. and letting go, because those are the two parts. Those are the key components of this phase of life I'm finding that um, the, the kind of giving thanks is really important. It's important to be grateful for what you've had and to be grateful for what you have right now. You know, I remember once seeing some cheesy saying that was like, you know, the good old days are right now, you know, and it's like, yeah. it's so true. Right. So like, 20 years from now, we'll be looking back and be like, oh, wasn't that amazing when, you know, we had these young adult kids that were, you know, doing X, Y, or Z, or when, when my, my son was in college and, you know, so recognize that. And it doesn't mean that you don't acknowledge some of the, the difficulty of letting go because it really is like, we're living in a fallen world. Like this isn't paradise yet. Right. So we're going to experience loss and we're going to experience grief. And it's a real loss. And it's a real grief that, you know, having these beautiful stages of family life, are gone. Like in a large, you know, you're never going to have your, your, your son or your daughter at three years old anymore. Right. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And that's tough. <laughs> I mean, like that's, that's tough, right? Because it's so, there's something so sweet about that. and so beautiful about that. So I think it's important to fully recognize that is sweet and it is beautiful and to be grateful for the gift of having had it, but not to get so caught up in that. So wrapped up in kind of the grief about that fully let yourself experience it, but then don't stay there. I think is the the thing that I've had to kind of prompt myself with time and again to recognize I don't want to stay there and not be grateful for the gift of what's going on right in front of me right now, this moment here, because life is full of beauty. Every day, every every moment in our family lives, every stage is a gift. And we need to make ourselves more aware of that. So rather than wishing it away or wishing yourself into the past, you can acknowledge the, the pain of letting go of those things, but not to the extent where you're negating the moment where, that you're experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. I- I love the the idea of giving gratitude because when we recognize the great gifts that we have in our life, we see God's movement, like grief, grief and happiness can coexist. So it's good to have that, that mom grief, but it's also important to live in the moment, to be grateful for Mm -hmm. what you do have at the end of the day. And I think of, I think of St. Augustine, when he talked about when we're, when we're so sad about something, our hearts are kind of filled with vinegar and it really has to be purged so that God can provide us with this great, this kind of lavish honey that he wants our lives to be, but we have to make room for that. And gratitude, I think it's, it's almost like, um, oh gosh, what's the book by Dr. Seuss, (laughs) the Grinch who stole Christmas, his heart grew three sizes, right? (laughs) Your heart grows three sizes when there's gratitude for, for exactly what you're going through now. Mm -hmm. Um, when my, when my son was going into his, sophomore year, he went back to school and he, he was highly, highly into an independent kid when he went off to college. Like I could call him, but it, it better be at the right time. And, um, <laughs> just highly independent, which, which really frustrated my urge to smother mother him. Um, right. <laughs> but I found myself thinking, you know, this is, this is what we worked for. We worked for him to be independent mm-hmm. and, 
he called me one day um, and he sounded very shaken when he called. It was because he had been in a car wreck. Um, oh it was a pretty serious car wreck. And I was on the phone with him asking him, like, are you, are you okay? Are you at the hospital? Did you get everybody's information? Is everybody else okay? And mm-hmm. with the exception of bruises and scrapes and a concussion, he was, he was okay. And I was on the phone with him and I said, do you want me to drive down there tonight? I'm going to like, I'm going to get in the car. I'm going to drive down to see you. And he's like, no, no, mom. I think he still calls me mama. No, no, mama. It's okay. He said he had, you know, the athletic director with him, friends with him. He was at the hospital and he was going to be okay. And it was this Mm -hmm. moment of me on the phone where in my motherhood, I felt a decision point of, do I respect what he's telling me? You know, he's got it taken care of. He's at the hospital or do I fly down and go see him? And I thought, (laughs) I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for him to get home. And I, I called him the next day and said, you know, Patrick, would would it be okay if I came down to see you? It would do my heart good to lay eyes on you. And I and he said, yes, that would be really nice. So I was able to go see him to kind of smother mother him a little bit, you know, fill his refrigerator, take him to lunch and, and just make sure he was okay. I wanted to see yeah. him drive after the accident. So, but in that, in that I was so grateful, one, that that he was so responsible in what had happened and that too, mm-hmm. he was okay. Um, but that there was still room for mom in his life. You know, he was still yeah. independent. So, um, so in the book you wrote, there is, there is consolation in knowing that in some small way, the good things we patiently and lovingly instill in our children through years of sacrifice go away with them. How in raising your children and launching them, have you seen the, lessons and the values that you and your husband have taught your children come back in, in their lives, I guess, especially now as you're a grandma to the next generation of little beans. Yes. Yes. So yeah, I I think that's, that's really, I I love the story you shared about your son, first of all, because that's such a great, a beautiful illustration of that kind of balance that we're all kind of looking to have, right? Like there's still a role for us to play as mothers and yet respecting their boundaries, respecting their independence and um, their own autonomy in many ways. But then like, you know, and then your son, you know, very respectfully and being sensitive to you is open to, you know, that relationship. And I'm sure he, he loved, you know, getting mothered up a little bit. I think Mm -hmm. he probably needed it. So I think that's a, a really beautiful way of looking at it. But with regard to like the things they take with them, like that's been part of this stage of life that has surprised me in a beautiful way. Like I wasn't really thinking along those lines because we kind of can get caught up in like, you know, okay, we're like, you know, changing the diapers and feeding them and driving them all over the place and all these things that we do when they're young. And I never, I I mean, I never really, you know, consciously thought it through, like, this is an investment in who they're going to become. And maybe that's dumb, but I never really like thought it through that clearly. And yet when you see it, it's really a beautiful gift. You know, um, I think like there, it's happened many different times through the years, but one time in particular, I remember my son who was away at school in Colorado, which we're here in New Hampshire. So he was a good distance away. And um, he just happened, I don't remember if it was in a phone call or a text, just mentioned like that he was a catechist at a local parish there. And I was Mm -hmm. like, wow, 
Like I had no idea you were doing that. Like you had made that commitment this school year mm -hmm. or, you know, and, and I had a moment where I just thought, oh, this is so interesting. Like, you know, we've, and, and not that I'm taking full credit for it. Right. But we had raised him in such a way where he was wanting to be an engaged part of a parish community and give of his time in that way, even as a, you know, a busy college student, like focused in that way. And I was just so proud of him in that, in that moment. And just thinking, you know, this is just this one little part that I happen to know about. There's lots of parts. And so that kind of opened my eyes to like looking for those different ways where you see your child being a good friend to somebody. Um, like you mentioned, the next generation, I'm, I'm a grandmother times two, well, actually three, the, the next one is due like any day now. Oh, um, congrats. and yeah. And what a beautiful thing it is to watch your kids like figure out the parenting thing. Right. And mm -hmm. whole different stage. Probably I've got another book in me about this one <laughs> where it's like, you know, supporting them and encouraging them through that. And also feeling like, you know, by the time my youngest, who's now 16, graduates from high school, I, like my husband, Dan, and I always joke, like, by the time he goes away to college, we'll have figured all of this out, right? Like, right. <laughs> by the time we don't need to know it anymore, right? So kind of interesting to be at that stage in your life where you're like, I kind of do have a lot of things figured out. I have figured some things out, not mm -hmm. perfectly, but I do know some things. And yet trying to respect the fact that they need to be figuring these things out for themselves in a lot of ways, you know? So navigating that relationship where it's like, there's a part of you that wants to just step in take over, tell them what to do. Yeah. Um, but then learning to kind of, you know, finesse that a little bit and offer, of course, your experience and your encouragement and your advice when they're, when they're asking for it or when they're, they're open to it, but then also learning to just keep quiet and allow them to make a choice that you never in a million years would make, um, allow them to experience that because, you know, there's a certain level of humility that's important at this stage in the game and to be prayerfully and, you know, thoughtfully encouraging our children in their own parenthood and their own vocations without kind of stepping in and, and taking over. I think, you know, different personality types will struggle with that in different ways. I was talking with a good girlfriend of mine who's very much a choleric, you know, personality. She takes mm -hmm. over, she takes charge, she's the leader. And, you know, she was really struggling with that with some of her kids. And she was, she was asking me like, don't you want to like, just step in and tell them everything? And yeah, of course, you know, to some extent I do, but there's also some beauty in, you know, playing that role of prayerfully supporting them, kind of being a little bit behind the scenes and mm -hmm. being available to them, you know, encouraging conversations. And, and one thing that I have found is, you know, if you, if you're worried about something, or if you're thinking, oh, maybe they're not quite making the exact right decision there, rather than stepping in and telling them what to do, step in and just start asking some questions and, mm -hmm. you know, lead them in a discussion. And, and you might just be surprised at, you know, new information that they might share with you or a different way of looking at it. And so I find that's a really um, a helpful way of kind of encouraging conversation about these things and having an opportunity to share our experience without that kind of, you know, stepping in and taking over. Yeah. In early in your book, you talked about the, the work of motherhood in the early years being unseen, often mm. unseen. And I think the work of early raising young adults, coaching young adults is often unseen too, Yeah, because it has to be in order for them to be the adults that we want them to be. So mm -hmm. with my oldest, I've tried to eliminate two words out of my vocabulary, which are very instinctive for me to say. And one is you need to, and the mm. other is you should. Yeah. And, in, <laughs> and instead I'm really trying to say, um, help me understand this decision or, um, or I'm, I'll ask things like, so how did, 
what is it that made you attracted to studying, you know, biology and psychology? Um, mm -hmm. Or what is it that you're concerned about with having a, your apartment off campus? What do you think is going to be the biggest challenge? So I'm trying to ask kind of open-ended questions that get him to the things I'm thinking of as a problem right. solver without going, now I really think you need to put your electric bill on direct deposit or auto draft, you know, <laughs> you know what my 21 year old does not want to hear <laughs> um, how to pay his bills. Right. Uh, but I'm, but it also brings me to the theme of accompaniment in our church and mm. that we want to accompany people as as Jesus accompanied the men on the road to Emmaus. And as they were processing the events that had happened, it doesn't say Jesus told them, you know, I, I was crucified under Pontius Pilate. I just suffered, died and was buried. It says that he, he pointed them to the prophets and the scriptures and, and asks them, you know, did you, did you not understand what was said in the prophets, in the prophets that the Messiah would come? Like he's pointing them to the things they already know, but they have mm -hmm. to discover it for themselves, which right. I mean, the son of God did it really well. It's really hard for me <laughs> to do as a mom, but I think right. that's what we have to do. Right. No, I totally uh, agree. And you're very wise to look at it that way. Oh, I try. Um, <laughs> Danielle, fast forwarding from this kind of launch from the nest point to when our children get married in the book you wrote about Juliet getting married and the advice you gave her right before, kind of before her wedding. And one of the things you wrote was that you said, sometimes he'll be a jerk. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> can you share a little bit about that and why that came to your mind? Because I, I actually think it was brilliant. It was a brilliant thing to say in, yeah. in that moment. Yeah, I know. It's as unromantic as it sounds. That's, right. that's pretty, pretty much my practical advice, you know, things that people should know before they get married, because we kind of tend to have rose colored glasses on. Of course, this is how God intends it, right? You fall in love and you can't wait to get married and start your life together. And I think it's important to just remember like that this is a, a lifetime commitment to a weak and flawed human being because we are all weak and flawed human beings mm -hmm. and to not idealize it to the point where you're going to feel disillusioned when it's tough, when it's hard, when he right. or she disappoints you or you're feeling discouraged because every marriage goes through tough times like that. Um, you know, and, and I don't know the details of it, but I can promise you if you're getting married, you're going to go through difficult times like that. And you're, you're going to feel like you're going to feel like walking away from it. And so that I find is what is kind of dangerous about our cultural message surrounding marriage, where it's like, find someone who makes you happy. Like mm -hmm. that's what our, our culture will tell us. Right. And that sounds nice. Oh, that feels, yeah, right. Find someone who makes you happy. But you know, if we think that through, that's really not what the church teaches us about marriage to find someone who makes you happy. It's not right. your spouse's job to make you happy. It's no human being's job to make you happy. It's God's job, right? Only God can make us happy. And so putting that kind of a burden on a human relationship, I think is a really flawed way of going into the sacrament of marriage, the vocation of marriage, because you're going to be disappointed. He's going to be a jerk sometimes. She's going to be a jerk sometimes. I'm a jerk sometimes. Right. And we need to recognize that, right? And the fact that you're going through that difficulty doesn't mean there's something that um, there's something fundamentally wrong about this commitment you've made, right? It might mean there's something wrong that you need to address, sure. Um, and, and, you know, it could be about a big thing. It could be about a little thing that maybe doesn't need to be addressed at all. Um, but kind of figuring that out, but realizing that 
because it's difficult, because you find it challenging, because it feels unfair, isn't isn't an indicator that there's something fundamentally wrong with your married relationship, that it's, it's going to be very challenging sometimes. And I think our young people need to hear that. And they don't, they're not afraid of it. That's the thing. They need to know the truth about what this commitment is and that your, your job is to get each other to heaven. That's not going to feel good all the time. In fact, it's not going to feel good a lot of the time. It's going to involve significant sacrifice on both of your parts. And of course, it includes joy. And there's so much to be grateful for. But to, to not gloss over some of those more difficult moments in marriage, I think is so key. It's so important that our young people hear that from us. I completely agree. And especially in our military culture, where our our service members, whether husband or wife or both, are so often deployed or in the field, it's hard. And if mm. we have this um, delusion that uh, that we're marrying someone and they're going to make us perpetually happy and and um and it'll be easy we're we're not being realistic and mm -hmm. you're right we're not understanding what it is to have the vocation to marriage you know our vocation is how we how we know love and serve god and right. through and through through the graces of our baptism and through the sacrament of, sacrament of matrimony we're given these graces to be able to do it but it it is hard in, in the archdiocese for the military services our judicial vicar has been known to tell people um, he's not perfect for you. She's not perfect for you. Um, you are you are meant to work on this vocation together. So I I think the way you said he will be a jerk sometimes. I will be a jerk sometimes, <laughs> is is really good. And when I'm I know when I'm when I'm frustrated with my husband, I have to remind myself that you know am I loving him like Jesus would right now, mm -hmm. and am I being the best wife that I can be for him right now. And I, and I can mm -hmm. control, you know, I can control what I do and how I, and how I behave. And I mean, he's a wonderful, wonderful husband, but he's not perfect. I'm not perfect. And I think that was really wise advice that you gave to your children going into the sacra the sacrament before they knelt down before the altar and, and pledged that this is how they would live the rest of their lives. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to be honest. Yeah. So it's special. Mm -hmm. So there's like, they leave the, the nest kind of in shifts, you know, they're like off to, they get the driver's license and there's a little bit of a foot out of the nest and then off to college or in our like basic training or, and then more, more feet out of the nest. And, and all right. of a sudden, then they have their own little nest. Right. And it's a beautiful <laughs> continuum. So Danielle, I think there, there has to be another book in there. There's got to be an 11th book somewhere about <laughs> <laughs> this stage of life that you're in. So, okay. So tell me switching gears a little bit as a wife, a mom of eight, um, having written 10 books and been so involved in Catholic media and publishing for so long, where, where did you find balance in your motherhood to do this? I know in our military communities, there are so many moms who are trying to um, raise their families, fill the void when, when the service member is, is deployed or underway or otherwise gone, and then try to hustle because they feel this call to work or to serve in the church right. or otherwise. So how did you find that balance? Yeah, I, I don't want to pretend that I was perfectly balanced all the way through because I certainly mm -hmm. wasn't, you know, and I think that's actually the key because we we think about that word balance and it's so interesting because I think we tend to think of it as like stillness, right? In immobile mm -hmm. balance, like everything's balanced, like I remember, you know, when, when all my kids were little and we were having people over the house, I'd like run around in a flurry, get the kids like clean clothes on, just get the house ready, you know, prepare the dinner or whatever. 
And then I remember feeling sometimes like all, all the kids were clean, the house was clean, everything was ready, the guests were about to arrive. And I think like, freeze, like, <laughs> like nothing, like take the snapshot now, right? Because everything's in place. And we kind of think about balance in that way. Like we're going to figure it out and we're going to have it and then just freeze, right? Like I've got mm -hmm. it, right? The exact balance. But really, if you think about balance, like think about if you're, if you're like trying to stand on a ball in balance, like what does that look like? You're going to be continually moving, right? Just continually in motion. And I think that's what balance looks like in real life. In some points, you're going to be kind of focused in one area. And then it means you're necessarily not focused in the others. And, you know, every time you're, you're focused on work or you're focused on home or you're focused on your marriage or your children, or all these different obligations that we have as women, that when you're focused on one, you're quite necessarily not focused on the others. Right. So it's figuring right. out that, that kind of, um, shifting between the things that you're going to focus on. And so for me, I found that I was just always trying my very best and sometimes failing at it to be open to what God wanted me to be doing. And I think that's mm -hmm. the really, that's the key thing to be prayerfully deciding the things that we will commit to together with your spouse and, you know, going to God about it. Like, do you, do you consult God about your calendar? We don't often think about it that way. Right. But if you're thinking about taking on a commitment, whether it's a work commitment or a social obligation or your kid taking violin lessons or whatever it is, mm -hmm. like, you know, consult your calendar, consult your husband, but then make sure you're talking to God about these things. Like, is this something that's a reasonable commitment for me right now? And I can tell you, there were times in my marriage and family life through the years and with regard to work where I did too much, I took on too much. And mm -hmm. I, and, you know, looking back, I could see it. You know, there was one summer in particular where I took on a lot of different speaking engagements and different you know, things that involved travel because my husband at the time was a teacher. And so summer looked like great opportunity for me to, you know, be stepping out and doing these things. And in some ways it was, but at the end of that summer, I just felt like, I, I felt like my home was a wreck. My family was disconnected, felt distant in my marriage. And it was like, what happened here? You know, obviously mm -hmm. that was too much. And I think just having those moments of reassessment are so important. And to be honest with ourselves, be checking in with your, your spouse and your kids about what, what balance looks like and feels like for them. Because anytime a mom especially takes on a commitment, it doesn't co just cost you. It costs every single member of your household something. And so be sure that everybody's on board and everybody understands and like what this commitment means and, and be sure it's actually the right thing for your family. It doesn't mean you're going to always get it right, but be open to kind of reassessing the different kinds of obligations you might be taking on. Yeah, I think that flexibility and openness is so is so important. Just this constant spirit of discernment. Where is God calling me in my family, in my marriage, outside? And to keep having that conversation. And you're right, balance is not stagnant. Balance requires <laughs> engagement of our core and all of these other good True. muscles and tries. So Danielle, we know the girlfriends community, at least I know it. So people listening don't don't know it. It's a fabulous online community where you share like questions to foster conversation. You did an Advent um, study with Colleen Duggan yes. and uh, study through the Psalms. And so there've been some really beautiful content in that digital online community. And then obviously we know you through the Girlfriends podcast, which is mm -hmm. just so practical and eminently re relatable. Like for listeners, one time Danielle did a, a top five list of how I would think it was like a top five list of how to love your husband better. Um, mm -hmm. I might be getting the the exact title wrong, but I right. remember driving down the road. I was like, oh, good point, Danielle. So <laughs> I would say for people who don't know it, it's a it's great content to get you thinking about 
how to live out this vocation to be a, a woman and perhaps a wife, perhaps a mom, but but really your mm-hmm. Catholic womanhood. So, but now you've also taken on a new role as vice president of digital content for Good Catholic. Can you tell us a little bit about Good Catholic and the Catholic company? Sure. So Good Catholic is the media division of the Catholic company and um, has always provided digital resources, things like there, we call them series, um, but they're really mm-hmm. just these digital courses that you can take that walk you through various teachings of the church, um, you know, or, or like looking deeper at something related to our Catholic faith. Like, um, you know, this, this summer we're, we're relaunching a series on Mary and Lords and just what we can learn about mm-hmm. that and um, ways to go deeper in our relationship with Mary. Um, since coming on board though, we're, we're starting with some different kind of content as well, especially live events. Which I'm having a lot of fun doing, bringing in guest speakers to talk on various topics, some serious, some a little less serious, just, you know, interesting, entertaining, educational. We, we had one where we talked about overcoming stress and anxiety. Um, We have one at the time of this recording that's coming up very soon where we're going to be talking about the temperaments and personality Mm -hmm. types and what we can learn about ourselves in that way. Um, Talking about how to find peace in political times, you know, really very practical and, and timely topics that we're able to take up in these live events. And what I love about it, you know, you mentioned the girlfriend's community and that's an online community. And of course there are limitations to the ways we can digitally be connecting with one another, virtually connecting, but there's still a lot of value there. You know, Mm -hmm. I would never say that virtual community can replace in real life community, in-person community, but it really has a role to play. And I think especially those of us who might be going through, you know, challenging times, whether you're raising little kids or you're going through what I call this goodbye season, the season of giving thanks and letting go as your kids are leaving home or, you know, any other kind of challenge you're facing in your life to not feel alone in it is so key. And virtual communities are a way that we can kind of fill that gap a little bit, making authentic connections with one another. And, you know, with technology today, we're able to have like live video calls with like back and forth and real interaction. And there, there's so many ways that we can be connecting, encouraging and supporting each other. And that's part of what I love about what's going on at the girlfriend's community. And a, a part of what we are looking to grow over at Good Catholic is that authentic sense of community online. And that's beautiful. And it's exactly what I think our military communities need, whether in the chapel or beyond, because for for the military spouse, let's say, and I'll, I'll make this military wife centric for a new military wife, let's say that they're from where I am in Washington, D.C., and all of a sudden you get orders to El Paso, Texas, Fort Sill, Oklahoma, you know, Rota, Spain, any place where we have these military installations for the first time. A, a woman may be away from home, away from family, away from her source of connection. And mm-hmm. it is fantastic to be able to have that that digital community to reach back out to and say, I'm really looking for a resource on this, or I'm struggling with this, or it's really great to see other people who are talking about the same thing. And then it's also critically important to, even on the days where you are too tired and maybe even too sad, and you, you don't want to get out and go to your um, the small group, the women's group that's meeting at the chapel or your exercise group, like those are the days where you, you have to get up and you have to go because it will feed your spirit and you'll feel so much better for having done it. So I appreciate the work of girl of the girlfriend's community, um, of good Catholic. I'm looking forward to checking out some of those resources. Is there, is it goodcatholic.com? What is the website if people want to visit? Yeah, okay. everything you need is there. So go to goodcatholic.com. If you want to see some of our upcoming live events, just click the events tab at the top of the page and they'll you'll get all the information right there and how to register. 
Okay, great. Um, Danielle, anything else you'd like to share today? No, I just want to, I just want to leave with a note of encouragement to all the mamas out there, all the, all the women who are going through times of transition, going through times of, you know, challenging times in family life, whether it's because you're raising a lot of little kids or you're going through a difficult time with your teenager, or um, you've got kids that are going off to school or getting married and, or, you know, basic training and just, you know, finding ways to um, really focus on the things that we have to be thankful for. I want to encourage people to do that, but also just allow yourself the space to process whatever it is that you're going through right now. Give yourself that grace. I think women don't do that often enough. We think we should have it all together and we should have it all together by, you know, yesterday. And uh, these things take time and, you know, healing from real grief, which some stages of life come with is something that takes time and it takes energy. So give yourself space, give yourself grace and allow yourself to, to go through that. And, and then you, it'll be all the, all the easier to be able to look at the things that you are truly grateful for in that moment. Great. Thanks, Danielle. Well, listeners, you can connect with Danielle at daniellebean.com through the Girlfriends community and obviously the Girlfriends podcast and Good Catholic. So Danielle, thanks so much for being here today and giving us some encouragement as we launch our children out of the nest in just a couple of weeks. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Yep. Listeners, thank you for spending time with me today on the We Hold These Treasures podcast. My goal with this podcast is to be responsive to interests of this audience. So if you have a topic that you'd like me to explore or a guest whom you think I should interview or even a question about Catholic womanhood or military life, send me an email at weholdthesetreasures at millarch.org. I'd love to hear from you. We Hold These Treasures is available on Spotify, Apple, Podbean, Amazon Music, really anywhere you get your podcasts, and of course, the millarch.org website. So I encourage you to subscribe, leave a positive review for We Hold These Treasures, and share it so that we can better connect throughout this archdiocese. God bless you.